Hello and welcome to a God Shift Podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler. I am a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. In these episodes, you will learn how to grow your faith, overcome adversity, and move into a greater destiny. Individuals, organizational leaders, and ministry leaders share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am so happy that you've taken time out of your day or night or wherever you are in the world to listen to this episode. I am going to read my guest bio, but before I do that, I would love if everyone listening would do me a favor. Number one, just simply take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this episode. And when you do, post that on your social media. When you post it, tag us here at a God shift, and I would love to hear your biggest aha moment or your biggest takeaway. Number one, that gives me great feedback for the episodes, but most importantly, it gets this information into as many people's hands as possible. And that's, after all, why we do this. So people's lives can be changed so that we can build the kingdom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you again so much for doing that. All right, well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is the father to three daughters, two on earth and one in heaven. He and his wife, Carrie, have been married for over 30 years. He is a graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary and Northern Arizona University. He spent over 10 years in broadcasting, predominantly in news and talk radio. After feeling feeling called to full-time ministry, He served three churches over an 18-year period. Currently, he and his wife run a nonprofit college access organization called Collegiate Crossings, working with all students to help them navigate the post-secondary education admission process. The heart of the mission is to help low-income and first-generation students create a future that will support their family and community. The intent is to break the cycle of poverty through education. He also serves the Olympics, NCAA, high school and club sports in the capacity of public address announcer throughout Colorado, all around U.S. and the world. Welcome to the show, Andy McClure. Thank you for having me. Good to be here today. I'm so happy to be here. So y'all, his email address is Pastor Quarterback, so I can't wait to find out about pastor quarterback. This is so awesome. So were you a quarterback, Andy? And if so, where? When I had hair, (laughs) um, yes, high school, uh, played a little bit in junior college, not much. Um, And, uh, but still because the last part of the bio, there's so much athletics still involved in our lives. It fits. And then uh, uh, the pastor part, yes, as you shared, uh, graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, pastored in the church, still very involved in ministry. And so um, it fit. And uh, we've used that one for about 20, I don't know, 25 years. I love it. I'm a marketer and a brander at heart. And I can just, 
my mind is just going bananas with all of the different branding that you could do with pastor quarterback. So I digress because I'll get off on a tangent. So I want to lay a little bit of context for the conversation. So the name of my ministry is called a God shift. And normally people are like, oh, that sounds neat. But what the heck is that? What does that mean? So my definition of a God shift is the moment that you unlock your God-given authority, collide with God's purpose, and move into a greater destiny. So essentially, it's all about exercising our kingdom authority, right? And so I love to ask all of my guests as we start the show off, what is your own personal definition of kingdom authority? Kingdom authority would be uh, the word of God, scripture. Um, even the voice of God. I know I, I deal with a lot of guys my age uh, on a regular basis, Bible study, counsel, and the such. And many of them say, I've never heard the voice of God. Wow. And I get that. I understand that. Um, but I also know that there are a lot of people that do. And sometimes they hear the voice of God through somebody else, that you've been praying about something or something's jumped off the, the pages of your Bible and you're going, oh, man, okay. Yeah. All right, Lord, I'll, I'll move this direction. That's what I should be doing. And then somebody comes and goes, hey, have you ever thought about this? And you're going. I've been reading this. I've been praying about this for the last two months. Yes. Yeah. So having those words spoken to you and piercing your your heart and your mind, all of a sudden you're going, OK, there's some kingdom authority here that's pushing me in a direction, guiding me in a direction so as to serve his kingdom better. That's so good. So I'd love to know, like, <clears throat> when you think about your own life, I can imagine that there's probably times that you've had to grow your faith or overcome adversity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to get where you are today. So can you think of a time that you've had to use kingdom authority in your own life to get where you are? Well, later this week will be the fourth anniversary, sadly, of the passing of our oldest daughter. Okay. He was 28 years old, and uh, her husband woke up in the middle of the night and discovered she wasn't breathing. And he yanked her to the floor and started CPR and called the paramedics. Once they got there, then he called us. And uh, while I've always lived a life that is God focused or centered? Um, that that day, that Monday, early morning, um, was an extreme life change for my wife and I, uh, for our other two daughters, uh, for a son-in-law uh, at the time. Uh, well, actually, two. One uh, that is still our son-in-law. The other, who was Whitney's husband, uh, has since remarried in those four years, and we do see him at church. But it was that moment that said, okay, you've had this tragedy. You've had this loss. Now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. How are you going to serve the kingdom? How are you going to love people? And uh, for the last four years, we have had more sad stories of people losing a loved one, spouse, child, coming to us going, what do we do next? How do we handle this? And uh, we attend and participate in a very large church. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands on the weekend. 
And uh, they asked me a little over a year ago to take over the funeral and memorial service uh, as the officiant. And um, I know it might freak some people out. I'm 61. Yes. Um, But in the last, since January 1st, I've officiated 20 funerals and memorials. Wow. Of those 20, do you want to guess how many of them were older than me? Probably not as many as were younger. Three were older than me. 17, most of them 20s, 30s. And I don't know if that was the case pre-COVID, but that is the case post-COVID or the tail end of COVID. So many lives being lost, so many people facing life without that relationship. Mm-hmm. And because of what we learned and where God guided us and healed us, it's put us in a position to be able to minister to people in ways that we would never have been able to do. Yeah. You know, I often say, Andy, that when we think about the things that we've gone through, I say they didn't happen to us. They happened for us. Now, it doesn't always feel like it in the um, interim, right? It usually doesn't feel like, ooh, this is happening for me. (laughs) You know, it usually feels like hell. But it doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. But more importantly, to your point, it happens for other people. So when we're thinking about our God shift moments, when we're thinking about the unexpected circumstances that God allows to come into our lives, once we're on the other side of that, not only have our lives improved, but hopefully we're using that as an opportunity to recognize that it's very likely that the reason why we went through it is so that we can help improve other people's lives as well. Exactly. And I don't every time, but I share this uh, during memorial and funeral services. And I use them both interchangeably. I know this is just a semantics thing, but there is a difference between a funeral and a memorial service. Okay. Most people don't realize a funeral. I I thought a memorial was when the body's not there. Is that right? You are correct. Okay. And a funeral is. So there's a casket or, or, or urn. Yeah. And so um, I do share this story sometimes and I don't plan it. If it hits me at that moment to use the story that I do. And what I'm talking about is because of the work in ministry, because of the work that we do with all these families, with high school and middle school kids, with collegiate crossings, where I run into more people than any is as announcer for college and Olympic kind of sports. And so you're running into all these different people and you develop relationships. And sometimes you even get to see these folks around the world. And so it's, it's a great opportunity. But so many, six months, a year, two years after Whitney passed, came up to me and said, hey, man, I'm sorry I, I didn't reach out. I, want, I didn't want to be in your face. I wanted to give you some space and, yeah. and allow you to do. And um, so how's the family? And I, you know, give them an update. But this is the part of the story that I give them. And that is, so here's what I'm going to recommend you to do next time. Because what we don't understand or don't really sense is there will always be a next time. Yeah. The person sitting in the cubicle next to you loses a spouse or a child or your next door neighbor. Uh, The neighborhood that we live in 
there are several older families. I already mentioned I'm 61. I'm talking 70 plus. And um, just, I'm not saying that I'm waiting for the day for the yeah. ambulance to come down the street. You're but like, oh, wait a minute. You mean nobody's died yet? No, no. <laughs> Is there will be a next time. And, you know, when I say this to, to 30 somethings, you're going to have a lot of next times because you have more years left than I do. And so here's all you have to do. You do not have to have a planned, scripted message. Doesn't have to be this great theological statement. Show up, give them a hug, tell them they're loved, and then step back and watch and see what needs to be done. For us, when Whitney passed, we had people showing up 15 minutes, 15 minutes after she passed at the hospital. Nobody does anything in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I can't call you on the phone and say, meet me here and I'll see you in 15 minutes. By the time you find your keys and your shoes and your purse and your sunglasses, 10 minutes is coming gone. For sure. Now you're going to get in the car and drive there. But it was a God thing. And so folks showed that quickly. And in 30 minutes, we had over 30 people in the hospital. Wow. Just showing up and being there. And so we finally decided four o'clock in the afternoon, she passed it just past noon to go home and cars were following us and people were showing up at our house until 11 o'clock at night, bringing food. That was mainly the first day. The next several days, they continued to bring food. They scrubbed our kitchen. They scrubbed our bathrooms. They folded our laundry. They were doing all of these things. You could eat off our kitchen floor. Wow. And so people kept showing up to these things. Didn't have to say anything. Come in, give them a hug when they showed up. And then you watch people starting to do this. Ah, okay. I see they still have the breakfast dishes in the sink. Let's let's take care of that. Yeah. They have little kids and maybe there's pajamas laying on the bedroom floor that we didn't get to so they can pick up stuff. And so just find ways to, to serve. Cost you this, except some time. And so for the next week, we had people showing up over and over. I, I had roasted chickens in my refrigerator, probably six or seven. I had a whole chicken coop in there that people just kept showing up and bringing stuff. And so you don't have to have a theological statement. You don't have to have a seminary degree. to. Well, what do I do here? You know, I've really allowed you to unpack that story, Andy, because I believe that that's one of the number one things that stump all of us, regardless of our walk of life, regardless of our background Um, is what do you say or do when someone has lost someone? And to your point, our natural response is, well, let me back off until they've kind of gotten it together enough for me to then to. And it's like, no, you could be the key that's going to help them kind of get it together. So I love the fact that you said, I know you don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything other than I love you. And then just immediately go into Now, let me look around and see what it is that they need. And even if you don't see anything, you know what people have to do throughout their days and nights. Put on your thinker and ask, okay, well, I know they've got to eat. I know they've got to, you know, what are the different things that are going to have to be done? So I appreciate you sharing that. And and we've only touched on the issue 
of the loss of a loved one. Think about your your next door neighbors. They have two children and they're expecting their third. And those two children might be in preschool or elementary school and mom and dad are busy at the hospital. Well, who's picking up the kids after school's out? Who's going to make sure they get fed? Who's going to make sure they get a bath and they get into bed because mom and dad may be stuck at the hospital. God forbid that there's complications. (laughs) Baby just may be slow. Whitney, the daughter I talk about, her her um, it took her forty two hours. She just kept waiting. Come on, Whit, show up. Come on. The labor was forty two hours. She was the she was our first, so there was no other children. But as her two little sisters were born, she was in preschool and elementary school. So deal with them. Same thing. What happens with the loss of a job? Yeah, maybe it's COVID related, and it's unavoidable, unavoidable. Maybe the company just has gone bad and they've had to let people go. What can you do? Yeah, you can bring a meal. You could help them job search. You could help them do things that maybe they're just too mentally taxed. They can't address. And so you can show up in the lives of people and serve them in ways they don't necessarily have to articulate just because of what you said. And that is, okay, they have to eat yeah. and they have to, you know, little kids need to go to bed. And, and how can we help with those things? Yeah, that's so great. So I want to get back to the, to this thing about the wording conversation. One of the things that you said when you were talking about the passing of your daughter, Whitney, is you said that you felt like that you had always lived a God-centered and a God-focused life. She passes away. You and your wife have since figured out ways to really help other people navigate these seasons of life. What would you say that you learned during this entire process? Because of having a a long history in the church, most people think of church as Sunday, an hour, maybe 90 minutes. The church is 24 seven. And the church used to be the social servant, social service rather, agent of the community. And so when there was death, then when there was loss of job, the church stepped up. And I'm talking its people. Its people went out and met with people, even if they weren't part of their congregation. And so the and I, I may be going off a little bit here, but the, the point being is that we need to be minded that all of God's people are our responsibility. Wow. Because who else? Why did God put us on this earth? You know, at creation, he created Adam and then went, mm, he needs some help. Okay, and we can sit here you know, thousands of years later and women could go, yeah, guys need help. Um, And so he brought Eve, the helpmate. And this was not to be something, you know, overbearing that the man over the woman, they were to come in together. And yet we don't do that even within our neighbors. You know, I don't need to go to my neighbor who lost a job and just tell him buck up and, you know, Go out, look again. Well, give them some comfort. Give them some, some, some peace. Bring them a meal. Mow their lawn. 
And <clears throat> if they've lost a job and they're interviewing and they're updating a resume and they have children, take the kids. And, and I'm going to add this, and it might sound a little contradictory coming from a minister, but I would say when someone is going through something, don't immediately run through the door with scripture and, you know, God is able and God is good. Listen, most of these people knew God, God was good before it happened, but we have to allow people to feel the emotions that they are feeling because if we don't, they will suppress them and they will show up later as other problems. So yes, eventually you're going to remind them that God is good. Yes, eventually they're gonna, you're gonna point them to scripture to remind them that God has all of this in control. But my request would be don't immediately hit them with that. And not because it's like, listen, if people wanna be angry, let them be angry. Not just for the sake of emo emotions for emotions, but if we don't allow ourselves to go through what it is that we're feeling, I can guarantee you that it's going to show up again another time. So if we allow them the opportunity to feel the emotions, there's a great chance that those emotions will just be isolated to this one event instead of having to be repeated in their lives over and over and over again and creating more traumatic situations in their lives. So I tell people all the time, OK, I don't want to hear that right now. One, I know that. But two, give me a moment to sit with what it is that I'm experiencing, and then we will get to the reminders of how good and gracious God is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I can give you a virtual high five um, because I deal with sports and there's always a winner and there's always a loser. And, um, you know, coaches that want to pick up their boys and, or their girls when they lose a, a tough fought ball game. Uh, there are some that will immediately go, OK, let's focus on tomorrow's game. You know, God created us with emotion. Yes to be joyous, to be happy, but also to cry and mourn and be sad and sometimes angry. We know Christ himself was angry during in the New Testament, you know, because people were doing ungodly things. And so if we do that, we're denying part of who that person is. Right. Second issue you hit on, and, and I... I deal with a lot of people in a lot of circumstances. And I, I, I know somebody not long ago dealing with who had a sibling as an adult. He was an adult, so was she. Died in a freakish car accident. And the way I understand it was he was basically told, uh, she's in a better place. You shouldn't be mad. You shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't be disappointed. And so, as you described, you know, suppressing those emotions, suppressing those outward responses, sat there in, on his heart and in his head for about 10 years. Yeah. You're like, too soon, and, too soon. <laughs> and, 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 and here we are today. Uh, and I say young man, he is younger than I, but he's dealing with a whole lot of marital issues. Yeah. Because it's finally bubbled up to the top and it's manifesting itself. Yeah. I can tell you that every, since Whitney passed, uh, uh, not to be uh, arrogant or braggart, but I work about 250 collegiate Olympic club sporting events a year. Wow. 
And yeah, it's gets a little much at times. And we've had some time off. Everything starts back up this Saturday. And so um, uh, after she passed is I had always prayed during the national anthem. And now included some prayer time um, dealing with wit and her loss and her individually. And the first, I don't know, 40 or 50 games, uh, I, I broke down in tears. Wow. Nobody noticed because they're not watching me for that. I'm not wearing glasses right now. I don't need them most of the time. I do during ball games because I want to see numbers down on the floor or on the field. And um, so if you put the glasses back on, they don't notice that the eyes have gotten red and the emotion is there. And if anybody ever says anything to me, which they haven't four years post, it's, yeah, just dealing with family loss and I'll be okay. But I don't suppress that because I don't want it to manifest itself somewhere else and uh, somebody else get the shrapnel of That's my explosion. I love those points. So Andy, I want to pause and take a quick break. But when we come back, we are going to share some tips of how our, our audience can begin to put all of these things together in their lives. Okay. This episode is brought to you by the free guide. When God says shift inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to follow God's plan to move you into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to GodSaysShift.com. That's GodSaysShift.com to access it now. So, Andy, before the break, you were sharing, you know, how you have been able to get through loss, the importance of us serving God's people through loss. And we were talking about kingdom authority. And for you, your definition of kingdom authority is really looking at authority in the form of God's word and the voice of God. And so before we get into some of our tips, I just wanted to share a couple of authority, kingdom authority scriptures with the audience, because oftentimes people either don't understand what the heck we're talking about when we say kingdom authority or they don't think it's for them. So I just wanted to share a couple of kingdom authority scriptures. There's dozens of them, but I'm probably going to pick two or three of the main ones. And then we're going to get in some tips. So number one, 1 John 5 and 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So that means you have the ability to overcome the world. It's in you, but there's things that you have to do to bring it out in order to overcome the world. John 14 and 12, greater works than these shall you do in my name because I am going with the Father. And it goes a little bit further than that. But the reason why I always, because most of us quote the Greater works than these shall you do in my name. But the reason why it's, it's important to note the second part where it says, because I'm going with the father is because I like to point out that the reason why Jesus was able to die was because the authority that he had was passed on to us. So the Holy Spirit has been left here on earth operating inside of us. And it give, gives us the ability to do the same things that Jesus did and then some. So we have the authority to make things happen in our lives and the authority to make things happen in other people's lives too, which is why Mark 16 and 17 says, 
these signs shall follow them that believe. So that's speaking to the miracles and the signs and the wonders and things that Jesus performed while he was on earth. And then the last one that I will share is Luke 10 and 19. We have been given authority over the devil through Christ Jesus. So for those of you that the concept of kingdom authority might be new, I want you to do some research. First of all, dominion is mentioned 44 times in the Bible. And so what I would say to you before we get into some tips that you can use in your life is to recognize that it's your birthright. If we are heirs of Christ, which which scripture tells us that we are, it's actually our birthright to be able to make things happen in our lives and the lives of other people. Something as simple as you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when we are going through tough times, like many of the things that Andy has mentioned during this episode, there are so many things that we can do. Yet most of us, our first inclination is to go to someone else to pray for us. Our second inclination is to sit idly by and just wait on God to do it. And the reality is, is that although God is God all by himself and he doesn't need us, we can't do it without him and he won't do it without us. So my the, the last thing that I would leave you with is just recognizing that it's your birthright to have this kingdom authority. And I highly encourage you starting today to start exercising that authority in your life so that you can have more, be more, do more, but also so that you can grow your faith and overcome adversity. So Andy, if you were talking to someone, if you were counseling someone, regardless of their situation, there's somebody that's listening to this episode right now that is actually struggling to exercise kingdom authority in their life to shift to a better place. What is your best tip that you would give them of how they can begin to do that? Well, if you saw my reaction about 30 seconds ago, it was the issue of going to somebody else to have them pray for you as if they are a magician. And uh, prior to you stating that in the scriptures that you were reading, a a conversation I had with an elderly gentleman in his 80s, and he was telling me about a conversation that he was having with his daughter, who's in her 50s, uh, heavy marital stuff. And uh, she said, Dad, could you just pray for me? He said, sure, I pray for you every day anyway, but yes. But do you realize you personally can take this to the Father? You personally can call on the name of uh, of Jesus? Yes. Because the clergy are called to a job. And again, they're not, we, we are not magical. Yeah. You know, I ask every couple before I sit down for premarital counseling, why me? Now that sounds arrogant. Why me? Why do you want me to do this? And for some of them, well, you're the only uh, uh, religious guy we know. Right. Well, I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself relational. And you have that same opportunity. You know, God doesn't listen to me better than he does the guy next to me. That's a great point, Andy. I want want us to start telling people 
When someone asks us to come and pray for them, and it's because we're more spiritually rooted than they are, or whatever the reason is that they see us as the person to do that, I would say, you know what, I'm absolutely, absolutely going to do that. But before I do that, let's talk about how we can strengthen your relationship and understanding of the identity that you have in Christ so that next time you're, you're willing to do that for yourself first, and then you come to me. Like, can we make a pact to do that? <laughs> And, and yes, many pastors have prayer teams that pray for them. Maybe they meet with them once a month or maybe they email them once a week or something. Hey, here are some issues. Can you be praying about these specific? The rest of the congregation of the church may not know it, but the pastor knows it and he's sharing it with some confidential folk because they trust that they won't go and talk about Bob or Sue and the issues that are going on in their life. Right. But- Everybody can bring it to the Lord. So first tip, if we want to call it that, is you have authority to call on Jesus, to, to enact the, the, the Holy Spirit into the lives, into your life and into the lives of others. And that is just do it, because if we're all born children of God, guess what? He doesn't play favorites. Yeah. And let me you be know? clear. What we're talking about here, we're not talking about overriding the scripture that talks about, you know, two people, two or more people being in agreement on something. Yeah, there's oftentimes that I I have prayer partners. There are times that I'm like, listen, I need I'm I'm asking other people to stand in agreement, agreement with me for something that I have before the Lord. But you notice the key in that I'm asking them to be in agreement with me on something that I already have before the Lord myself. So we're not overriding scripture. We're not saying, oh, they, they did. They put that scripture in there by accident. But what we are saying is recognizing that the same thing that's in them, albeit it may be more developed or more mature in their lives. You already have it in you. So you need to be working to figure out how you can grow, develop and mature it in your own life. Yes. And and your point, what hit hit me also is when we do have prayer warriors that come alongside us, sometimes those folks will listen to our prayer language, will listen to how we are, whatever we are bringing to the feet of the the cross uh, of Jesus. And maybe it's, I don't want to say it's wrong but maybe it's misdirected. That's good. And and what I mean by that is, yes, I've been in a situation or two where somebody's praying about a situation. There's a conflict. There's a disagreement. There's there's been broken relationship. And as they pray, Lord, you know these things, you know these things. Can you fix them? Can you make them do this? Can you make them do that? When maybe it's me. Wow. Wow. And so in that prayer, you know, we can talk in counsel going, everything that you prayed about is good that we leave that at the, at the foot of the cross. But is it the proper language? You were blaming them, blaming them, blaming them, blaming them. Is there any responsibility on your part? That's good. That's and good. so when we do involve ourselves with that, and so <clears throat> the, uh, the gentleman that I spoke of, he he sat there and said, you can take this to the Lord yourself. I will pray, but you too can take this to the Lord. And so for Carrie and I, um, that 
that became the issue individually and collectively together was, Lord, I have no clue what you want me to do here. I have no clue where you want me to take this. And I never once thought, because somebody has asked, do you think God allowed your daughter to die to give you a ministry? And I looked at him and I said, already had a ministry, already had people that we were working with. But you know what? This kind of redirected and more fine-tuned some of the things that we're doing. And so um, last week I was in Phoenix. We had a book signing and we were talking. I, I, I do a little presentation when we, when we share this book. And, um, and in that made the comment that uh, there's some great theological people that have said, we celebrate diversity in ways today that we have not in centuries. Mm-hmm. But as a nation, we are too heavily divided. And because we are too heavily divided, that means the church doesn't have the impact that the Lord would want us to have in the community. We're more worried about infighting than taking care of people that have real issues. Yeah. And COVID, sadly, I think helped that. And I can be so blatant as to say, you know, how much was Satan involved in this, in that COVID broke relationships, marriages, siblings, churches, on and on and on. I know too many people in their 50s that have been married 25 plus years Yeah, that are on the brink of divorce and just don't know where to turn. And all of a sudden, uh, for Carrie and I, this has just been thrown in our face. You know, I I am a product of divorce, sadly, and I won't go into all the details. I share it in other capacities, but um, it's forced us on our knees. It's forced us uh, to spend prayer time in the shower, driving the car, wherever we are, all of a sudden, yeah, Lord, here's what's going on. And um, it is is to to be the prayer warriors that we need to be, uh, even though it may be not so easy. Maybe that the language doesn't flow. I, I mean, we, we both know prayer warriors that could pray glowingly and, you know, rain down heaven. It, yes. And, and music should be playing and, and great. That's how God's gifted them. God's gifted me in different ways as probably you yourself. And so uh, that's one big tip that we spent the most of the time on. Before we begin to wrap up, I want to hear about this book. 20 years ago, um, an issue hit me uh, that has lingered for two decades. It's the issue of showing up when people are in need. Showing up when people have loss, job, child, spouse, and coming alongside, even giving or having birth. And so for the last 15, 20 years, uh, I've made dinner for brand new parents hundreds of times. It's the same dinner for everyone. So nobody gets to feel like, well, they got this. Why didn't you make that for me? They got lobster and I only got spaghetti. Yes. No, what I make is grilled chicken fettuccine Alfredo with steamed vegetables and bread. And if I have the time, some kind of dessert. And so the point is, I make that 
double because then that's what we have for dinner. But, and, then, and this is a tip, this is a tip in here and then I'll get back to the book. And that is I have in my pantry, all those throwaway aluminum pans that either have an aluminum top or has a plastic top. And I stock up on them. Why? Because that's how I take food to people's house. Yeah. So that they don't have to wash dishes and get them back to me. I do that with, um, you know, some of the restaurants give some really sturdy. Yes. You can save those. Leftovers. I'm like, I'm not throwing this away. This is going in the dishwasher. You wash that pup and then you get to use it. So, uh, but stock up on having those things so that, you might have the, the the ingredients, but you don't have to spend the money and the time racing out. Uh, how am I going to put? Because you don't want to put it in your dishes. Not that you don't trust them. It's just now I'm putting the burden back on that couple yeah. to get me my stuff back. Otherwise, we're eating off paper plates ourselves. And so the book. And so as I shared and I used the phrase "show up." Um, when Whitney passed and all the people that showed up at the hospital and people that showed up at her house. And then her funeral was the Saturday afternoon after she passed on Monday. Her husband wanted it at the high school that she attended because of all the fond memories. 28-year-old girl, 800 people showed up. Wow. And were there after the service another three hours. Um, I had people that showed up that I know that helped put together food for that many people and kept it stocked. I never saw it because we never left the gymnasium. We were there greeting and dealing with family and friends. And so what started to hit me was this is the issue that's been on your heart for a long time. And that is Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Mm -hmm. You know, when Lord did we bring you food or visit you in the hospital or in prison or put clothes on your back or, or, or when you were sick. And what was Jesus's response? He said, ah, when you give to the least of these, you're giving to me. And so when we show up in the lives of people that are in down moments, we are actually serving the kingdom. And is that what the book is about? Huh? Is that what the book is about? That's the book. What's it called? Just show up. Oh. And so it's on Amazon. Uh, It's been out two months. Uh, Ex Libris is the publisher. Uh, We've had a few book signings and and it's done very well. Uh, People actually buying it, putting in their church libraries. It's a quick read. um, And here's why is having a, a seminary degree. Yes, I had to read the thick books that quoted the Greek and the Hebrew. And I don't want to do it again. (laughs) No, but I also don't want, and and I'll go back to Martin Luther, who said scripture should be available to the plowboy. So the the little kid working the field should be able to read the Bible. It shouldn't be in these high glowing languages. And because people need to be able to read it. Right. And so... If, if it's only in Latin, it's only in Aramaic, if it's only in Hebrew, then only the, the learned can read it Yeah, and then share it. And nothing's wrong with that. But why can't I do it on my own? It's the whole thing going back. I have kingdom authority to be able to pray right to the Father. For sure. So, so uh, we have translations. So the beginning of the book begins with uh, a retelling of that story of Whitney passing, sadly. 
And then uh, we give a biblical context as to why we are to do this. One, we are born in the image of God. And so we are to be God-like and do the God-like thing. And that is serve the kingdom, serve his people. Second is the, is the issue of the sheep and the goats in the issue of um, uh, serving those who are placed in front of us. And that's why I say there will be a next time. Yeah. We will always have a next time. Next time may be an hour from now. And the next time after that might be three hours from now. Yeah. So there is a next time. So it gives the biblical principle as to why this is, uh, why are we called to show up? And then the last, which is almost half the book, are several small chapters on specific ways that you can do this. We've mentioned birth and death. We've mentioned loss of job. But what about helping out at the elementary school? Mrs. Smith has uh, 30 kids in the class, and she really can't give the attention to the kids in the class that she would like to. So I, I started pushing older men going, what do you do all day? What do you do? Go to Walmart, go to Target, go somewhere and get yourself packages of flashcards, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and go to Mrs. Smith, third grade teacher and say, hey, give me five kids that need help and go there twice a week and drill them on their simple basic math because now you can catch them up yeah. and all of a sudden they have abilities that they didn't have before. Ah, but that's two days a week. What are you doing the other five? Well, Mrs. Jones, the other third grade teacher, she may have five or six kids. So that gives the 75-year-old guy who sits around and watches game shows all day a reason to get out of bed, take a shower, shave, go down to the school, and serve, and show up in the lives of those kids. You can do the same thing with the scouts. You can do that with Literally. You can do that at the dance club. You can do that everywhere. What about showing up at your church? Sure, you can pay a janitor, or you could, but if you're a small church and it's relied upon on volunteers, then be one. Get the vacuum out. Yeah. Dust, dust the, the offices. You know, take a step up, teach Sunday school, work the nursery. All of these things that you can show up in the lives of people that literally cost you nothing but your time. Yeah. And you've just made a kingdom impact on them because you cared enough about them to show up and serve them. Awesome. So, Andy, we've got to wrap this conversation up. So where can our, leaner, our, our leaders, where can our listeners find you and follow you? You can you can get the book. Yes, it's on Amazon, Andy McClure, and it is Just Show Up. The book also does have its own website. I don't have my own website, but the book does. Okay. Uh, and, and, and it was something we touched on already, and that is pastorquarterback61.net is the website, and you can order the book there. Uh, my name straight across on Facebook. We post things, uh, actually today's postings, uh, my wife and I have one grandchild and he turns two today. And so we're celebrating Hudson and um, his favorite song to sing is Jesus loves me at the top of his lungs while driving in the car. And awesome. so, um, uh, but you can find us there at the book website, pastorquarterback61.net um, and Facebook, Andy McClure. Um, and then, um, 
what was the other one I told you? Oh, the book is found on Amazon and it is hardback, paperback and Kindle. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to make sure that the link to all of those things are in the show notes. So you guys are not, it was a dot net, dot com, whatever. I'll make it simple for you. All you have to do is just click it. But thank you, everyone. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of A God Shift. I pray that it has not only been a blessing to you, but that you loved it enough to share, share, share it and come back again for another episode. Thank you so much, Pastor Quarterback Andy McClure, for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. You guys have a great day. It's Shana Rattler signing off. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.